0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Matt Goes to the Movies. If you've clicked on the episode and you've listened to the intro, um, pretty recognizable music, I think. And we are here to talk about Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl. Uh I am super excited not just to talk about this franchise in general, but it feels like finally, after an eternity uh the band is back together. I'm going to be joined by <laughs> Rob and Harrison from the basement binge so uh I'll start with Harrison welcome oh thank you i it's so good to be here
1: i uh I was so no to all the listeners we were going to do this yesterday but i got sick i had like the worst fever i've ever had so we rescheduled it and i was so sad last night i like i had a fever all day but i was just waiting all day to text you like i'm gonna feel better i'm gonna feel better i have to record the podcast <laughs> so i'm very excited to be here it has been forever and hearing your guys' voices hearing that music i i could not be more-
0: yeah uh ditto like i said and rob welcome back to you
2: Yes, thank you. Um, it's, uh, it has been a minute since we've all three been able to uh, talk about something together. It's been since the uh, first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie that uh, we did on the Basement Binge. So, uh, yeah, I've been definitely looking forward to this since we started talking about it.
0: Yeah, it uh, you know just kind of randomly came together that we were going to do Pirates of the Caribbean. It, it started because Rob and I actually had uh, a Pirates of the Caribbean movie night outside at the house and said, This would be super fun. So, uh, you know, listeners, starting with this episode, we are going to, once a week, get through the five Pirates of the Caribbean movies, and it starts with Curse of the Black Pearl, which many think is, you know, the first and great um, pirate movies. Um, Certainly some lackluster box office returns as the series went on, but Uh, a series that still has a really, really popular fan base and some really great moments. So I'm super excited to talk about this. Uh, But before we get into the meat and potatoes, so to speak, of the episode, Harrison, for, you know, listeners that are on this show that might not have checked out The Basement Binge yet, uh, tell them what it's all about. Take a second here and plug that show.
1: Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, so The Basement Binge is really kind of in the name uh, show, another movie review podcast, just like Matt goes to the movies where I pick movies that are worthy of binging and uh, talk about them in my basement. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So uh, yeah, like Rob mentioned, we did an episode on the teenage mutant Ninja turtle, you know, live action reboots from 2014. I think it was 2015, something like that uh that was a blast the three of us did the first one and then matt and i were able to do the second additionally we did some fast and furious movies together that was a blast uh so yeah i just review movies i've got some uh recent reviews about shang chi uh and other movies that are are currently in theaters um while also a, a most recent episode on la la land that was really fun so yeah i, I review movies that i have something to say about uh usually good because i'm an optimistic person but there's been a few where we've ripped them
0: to pieces together.
1: Uh, so yeah, that, that's the basement binge. I, I appreciate the chance.
0: Yeah, uh, anytime. And Rob, you, uh, you know, for longtime listeners of this show, I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with you, but you also recently have done another episode on your own for our extended universe and take some time. Cause I'm, you know, pretty positive. Anybody listening to this episode has checked out some of uh, your, your other things that you've done on the show. So take a second and tell us what, uh, what you just did. Yeah, so thank you. Um, my brother Eric and I recorded an episode on a
2: movie that's meant a lot to us over the years, and that's kind of the whole theme of something I wanted to do uh, as as part of the MGTTM extended podcast universe, as we call it. Um, movies that have meant a lot to me over the years, and, and almost every single one of those are, are things that I share with my younger brother, Eric. Um, so we, we started with Fight Club, and it was something that we were really excited to talk about. We we recently did goodfellas and we just finished and and matt got published for us a review on the big lebowski which is um it's in a three-way tie for first place of my all-time favorite movies and it's a ton of fun to watch. It's a ton of fun to talk about. And we we really had a great time kind of recapping what works and what our favorite scenes are and what the best lines of the movie are. So uh, if you've if you've not seen that movie, as my brother says, you need to get better friends because the Big Lebowski isn't one of those ones you just kind of happen across. It's kind of something that your friends have to tell you to go watch. So uh, get yourself better friends, watch the movie and uh, check out the show. We'd certainly love to hear um, your thoughts um, on PodChaser or leave a review on any of the uh, platforms you listen to it on.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And uh, you know, by the end of the show here, we'll, we'll plug some more of those ways to get in contact with us, but I can't wait to get into you talking about this movie, but as always, the first segment here on Matt goes to the movies is, is going to be our teaser trailer. But as a special for this episode, before we do the teaser trailer, there's one last thing Uh, on the basement binge. We have done a segment called rummage for the rotten, which when all three of us are together, we guess uh, who would give this the lowest score out of the three of us. So, uh, I'm going to go first, and this one is really difficult for me because I think we all really enjoy this movie a lot. So out of a random flip of a coin, I'm going to guess that the Rotten is going to be Harrison by the slimmest of margins. Oh, so, no. What I, yeah, yeah. I, Don't blame me. Blame the coin. I flipped it. Um, (laughs) But uh, Rob, why don't you go next and don't say Harrison. Um, You're going to upset him. (laughs) Yeah. So
2: here's what I'm going to tell you. I already know the rotten isn't me. Um, I adore this movie. So um, I I think it's, it's going to, it's going to be tough. Yeah. I here's the thing is it might actually be Harrison. He's probably got a number in his head, but I think as we talk about the things about this, that we like, we're going to talk him into raising that score. So I actually am going to go, my rotten is going to be Matt, but it's going to be tight.
0: All right. looks like we're going to be putting Rob on mute for the rest of the episode. But, uh, Harrison, <laughs> Why don't you, uh, why don't you go next? Oh, man.
1: Okay. Same thing that you said. I know that I'm not a rotten because I love these movies. I have for the longest time. And probably like a year ago, my wife hadn't seen them. So we watched them all together. And I loved them. But it's been a few years. So I was when when we talked about doing it, I was like, Oh, yeah, those are great. And then I was like, Well, they can't be that good. And then I watched <laughs> it. And I was reminded why it is that good. So I'm definitely not the rod. <laughs> uh, so let's just all you know, have a little bit of a Mexican standoff, and I'm going
0: to say this going to be Rob. All right. <laughs> so uh, I look forward to hearing that at the end of the episode. And with that being said, uh, Harrison, I'm going to let you go first. Teaser trailer portion, uh, two minutes if you need a full two minutes to talk about this movie spoiler-free what you like about it before we really get into the crux of the movie. So floor is yours. Yeah. I mean, I remember when
1: these movies were happening, uh, I know this is kind of random. I had a friend who I was like best friends with. She lived across the street from me. Her family was like huge Disney people. Like they went to Disneyland all the time that anything that Disney made, they had it, you know, like those type of people, everyone knows what they're like. So, So because this was a Disney movie, they went to go see it. And, like, at that time in my life, no one was talking about the Pirates of the Caribbean movie. And so she went and saw it. She fell in love with it. So she had all these toys and, like, collectible things about pirates. And I was like, what a dumb thing. Like, like this compass. And I I just, like, really thought it was dumb. And then I remember uh, the picture came out for the second one where it shows uh, Davy Jones – and like his crew with him. And then it shows, it was like a meme where it showed the actors in the motion cap suits. Anyway, I went around high Mm. school uh, constantly. So I was like, okay, I got to check this out. Like what the heck is this thing? That's become a meme. Uh, So yeah, I watched it. It was like, oh my gosh, this is a phenomenal adventure movie that you would expect out of nowhere. It's got heart. It's got action. It's got great twists and turns. It's got a great villain, a, a great protagonist, uh, fantastic romance, like like anything that you could hope for in an in an adventure movie, is there. And on top of that, it, it captures like the 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 longing that I think all of us have in some way to be a pirate on the open sea in a big ship uh, with a crazy lunatic captain. You know, like Captain Jack Sparrow. You say that, and everybody has some idea about it. It, it. Everything about it just instantly becomes iconic. Even that score you played at the beginning, because it's just so memorable and how original it is but how fun it is uh, and how great it is it just being exactly what it needs to be an awesome adventure movie and in the open seas with a bunch of pirates like that's just is a blast
0: yeah uh really good points rob i'll i'll let you go next and i'll close this out
2: Sure. So, um, Matt, you played the the song at the beginning, Harrison touched on the score a little bit. This is an all time underrated score. I mean, I would call this score criminally underrated because it is incredibly iconic. It's immediately recognizable. It conveys such that emotion of fun and adventure and just a little bit of wackiness. Um, it's, it's big. It's got all the hits that you're looking for in terms of a, a big orchestral score. Um, I, I just, I love it. It's, I, I challenge you to listen to the theme from this and not have a giant smile on your face. You just, you can't do it. So the other night, um, I knew we were getting ready to record this. And uh, I, I sat down on my couch after the kids were in bed and I was getting ready to turn my PlayStation on. And my wife said, hey, why don't we watch something together? And I, you know, knowing that I needed to do a rewatch uh, to get ready for this episode, I suggested, hey, let's watch Pirates. And she was like, yeah, let's watch Pirates. I mean, there's really not a time I've, I've ever sat down to watch this movie. I think I saw this movie like two or three times when it was in theaters. Um, there's never been a time for the first Pirates of the Caribbean where I've sat down and be like, yeah, let's watch that and not been happy with that choice. Um, it, it's just, it's fun start to finish. Um, and there's so many great moments. There's so many great lines and and some really interesting choices uh, that actors made that um, a- ended up paying off, even though perhaps um, Disney wasn't a big fan of it originally.
0: Yeah, I think this movie, the first one particularly shows that if you have a creative person behind the wheel, you can make an interesting movie out of anything. I mean, let's not forget what this movie is based off of. What, a 10 minute? I mean, Rob, I think you know the, for some reason we talked about it, but what, a, a 10 minute ride at Disney? this two-and-a-half-hour movie is based off of. Well, it's funny
2: because this movie started the trend for Disney to start making all of their movies are either live-action updates of previous animated classics, they're based on movies about popular villains, or they're movies that were based on rides at the park for some reason, you know, like Jungle Cruise somehow got a movie out of it, um, and it kind of started with this, and there's um, there's a bunch of Easter eggs that are sprinkled all throughout this that are nods to the ride, you know, the, the scene where he's sticking his hand out with the, the bone, trying to get the dog to come over that's lifted directly from the ride Uh, I think there's a couple other ones that are sprinkled throughout I, I don't remember all of them right off the top of my head but they're pretty easy to find
0: yeah it's it's just amazing Harrison you touched on it you have a great score Rob you said it too you have great supporting characters you have great main characters you have actually a love story that actually works in this movie, which is rare. It doesn't feel overblown or over dramatic. Like I actually found myself rooting for the characters that are supposed to be in love in this movie. Uh, and that's, that's rare to have all of those things come together is really pretty special, especially on a movie that was an original, so to speak, IP, uh, even though it was based off the ride. So, I just think this is an example of you get creative. You have the right people behind it, and sometimes you hit lightning in a bottle because, regardless of anything in the future, like well, in the present, you cannot say that at a time who was a more recognized character than Captain Jack Sparrow. Um, you know, they certainly put him in the books for you know recognizable. You know, characters that people dressed up as for Halloween and crossovers into video games and things like that. So, uh, they really hit the nail on the head with this first movie. So, I think that's where I'll end it for my spoiler free section. So, but uh, next, though, we're going to move on from seat to screen. And this is where we talk about what works, what doesn't work. I think we're mostly going to focus on what works. Because I, again, don't know a lot that I think we dislike about that movie. But what I'd like to say first about what works, and then I'll let you guys, you know, piggyback off that, is Johnny Depp, he took this role. He basically could play it in his sleep, but man, I don't think I just don't know if anybody would have thought that he would have taken this character the way that he did and just, you know. He's identified with this character, and it'll be certainly interesting to see with supposedly, you know, a reboot coming and a whole new, um, you know, main character coming to the series, uh, how that works. Because he really took this character and made it his own, to the way that I think, you know, Hugh Jackman is recognizes Wolverine, Robert Downey Jr. recognizes Iron Man. I think, you know, regardless of what happened in the public eye or things that he was accused of uh Depp took this character and really made it his so Harrison I'll let you go first um do you think he works you know do you think that character works or for some reason are you gonna shock us all right now no
1: I think Johnny Depp is as Jack Sparrow is one of the most iconic characters uh, of the uh 21st century I mean like seriously who doesn't know who Jack Sparrow is uh, everyone does. Everyone probably has at least one line or mannerism <laughs> memorized from him, uh, and it, it, it's impressive. And And watching it this time and understanding uh, or at least seeing the roles of Johnny Depp outside of Jack Sparrow, you know, as I experience more films, I just watch him play this role. i like, no one else could have done it with the, the performance that he did. It's it, it seriously one of the funnest characters to watch on screen ever, and and just the way he plays it is fantastic. Both both like the the silly mannerisms, hand waving stuff, but even like the sincerity and, and heart of the character is played so well.
0: Yeah, Rob, I'll I'll swing that over to you now. Jack Sparrow, Johnny Depp. To, uh, what are your thoughts? So when you make a list of of characters that you can't
2: possibly imagine being portrayed by. Any other actor? Um, I think you got the Holy Trinity with what you had said, Matt. And it's it's definitely Jackman as Wolverine. Um, you know, RDJ as as Tony Stark, um, and Johnny Depp here as Jack Sparrow. Um, how like who else could you possibly think of? Like, there's just. This film series may not even exist um, past this first movie, if, if not for him. I mean, there's there's certainly a lot of other fun here, but the reasons why people think this movie is so much fun, it starts with him. He, he's the one that carries this movie. There's some great supporting actors that are also here as well with, with great performances. Uh, not you, Orlando Bloom. I'll get to that. Um, but there's there's so much fun here overall. Um, you know, basing it on Keith Richards, I think that's a pretty well known sort of Easter egg. Um, but when Disney saw what he was doing with it, Michael Eisner actually was pretty upset, reportedly, and and wanted to have that stopped the, you know, kind of the whole, just the way that he was portraying this character was not at all what they thought, you know, they really were going for more of that swashbuckling kind of, you know, Errol Flynn style character. Um, And that's not at all what he wanted to do with it. And it it got kind of tense at one point, depending on what stories you believe. Um, And fortunately they, they kind of caved and let him do his thing. And, um, this movie probably wouldn't be remembered the way it is there might not be a second third fourth fifth and and future sixth um if not for depths choices in how he portrayed the character
0: yeah i i couldn't agree more with all of those statements i think he's fantastic even in some of the later movies when some things don't shine i still think he you know he stands out um you know, as a spotlight in some of those darker moments in these movies. But, you know, r- another thing, again, for me that works, and then Rob, I'll let you go first this time, is supporting characters. And I guess you can't really call Barbosa a supporting character. He is, main, you know, one of the main characters, but he works. He's compelling. You have... I maybe rob you're going to disagree but again you have elizabeth swan and you have will turner um you have all these other characters um gibbs that really to me they make the movie as good as it is if all of these supporting characters in this movie didn't work um you know i i think we've seen where in other movies when the supporting characters don't work as well you know, it's hard for depth's performance to be enough to carry the movie. So, again, I think this is one of those rare occasions where everything, for me at least, just lines up to make this a really fun, exciting movie that I don't think you can watch it and not enjoy it. It never loses its appeal. Hard to argue with that. Jeffrey um, Rush as is is fantastic
2: and really leans into some of the campiness of the sanitized version of pirates. Cause let's not get, let's not get this wrong. Uh, pirates are pretty terrible people. Like they're not this, they're, they're not this group of people that should be romanticized in our culture, kind of the way that we do. They were, they were pretty awful. They, they killed a lot of people. They did a lot of terrible things. Um, but for whatever reason, we kind of have this romanticism about outlaw culture and, and that goes with pirates. And, um, you know, something else that works in this movie really well, I think, was was kind of the risky decision to go supernatural with what they were doing. I mean, it didn't really like there's not a lot of pirate mythos that involves supernatural certainly like krakens and things like that and and you know some of the superstitions were were definitely there but to to really go in on the supernatural element that it plays throughout this entire series uh i think was kind of risky and actually really paid off phenomenally well um but you're right. Those side characters really make this. Um, if you think about all the, like the little goofy characters, and I'm so happy that as we go throughout the series, they bring all of those characters back. Um, they bring back Barbosa. Um, I think Keira Knightley as Elizabeth Swan is really good. Um, Commodore Norrington, you know, he he he's actually he's the villain of this, but he's really a good guy. Like he's he's not actually he doesn't do anything bad. Um, you've got Governor Swan uh, played very very well by Jonathan Price. Uh Gibbs is just is so fun, um, and even like. The two pirates that come up and say, you know, the hello, pop it like those guys throughout with the with the fake wooden eye. Like there's so much fun and everything they do is is well is well done. And it's funny. Um, the two uh, the two British Marines that end up coming back throughout the series, um, you know, th- those those smaller minor characters um, are really a blast to watch and they're well written and well performed. But I don't, I don't particularly care for Orlando Bloom in this movie. If I'm, if I'm going to talk about, you know, the the cast as a whole, outside of Lord of the Rings, I felt like everything he's been in, he's played the same way. I, I, f- I just feel like he, I don't know, I don't really see a huge difference in most of his characters outside
0: of, outside of his appearances, Legolas and Lord of the Rings. Gotcha, uh, Harrison. What do you, what do you want to add to that? Talking about what works in this movie. Uh, well. You guys have said already, uh, but
1: I agree. You know that we talk about how great Jack Sparrow is, uh, and we have some of the other films where it's like, all right, let everybody likes Jack Sparrow, so let's tell Jack Sparrow's story. Where this is th- this is Barbosa's story, this is Jack Sparrow's story, th- this is Will Turner's and Elizabeth Swan's story, this is Commodore Norrington's story, uh, but then. Even beyond that, you get those fun characters, those two pirates, uh, the one with the wooden eye, and the camaraderie but just between the two of them, but even those two British guys, Murtaugh and Mulroy, I know their names because they're so hilarious. Uh, We were watching it, my wife and I, in preparation for this episode, and she was like, which character do you think you could play the best? Like, if you were cast which character do you think you can play the best? I was like, Oh, probably Mulroy because he's just such a goof. Like, like the, the <laughs> fact that, and I'm not saying that because I probably would, like, I just thought that that would be a fun character to play. And, and that says something about that character that like, when someone asks you that question, everybody, for the most part, we're going to pick like the main characters and for us, a, a side character to be that intriguing and that interesting to, to like want to perform as that character, that that would be fun is, it says so much about them on, on top of that. I think why, and speaking about this films as a whole, the five films, the first three films work so well is because of, uh, I'm going to mispronounce his name, I think it's Gore Verbinski. He captures this sense of, like, adventure and and seriousness, but with such whimsicality, for lack of better words, in one of the best ways. If you want an example, I I highly, I I cannot recommend enough his uh, film directorial debut for a movie, uh, Mouse Hunt, from 1997 watch it 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 is hilarious uh but even films like rango just the way i i I named those films and i can immediately like sense the way he directs adventure and how he makes adventure feel so exciting you know it, it, it is interesting like rob said that like i i don't know why but at some point in my life i i like wanted to be a pirate and, and, you know, that quickly goes away because pirates are horrible and you, you learn about scurvy, for example, in school. And you're like, OK, never mind. <laughs> and, and, and watching the pirates movies, I was like, yeah, I, I would love to be a pirate. I would love to be on that ship, having a captain shout at me as the rain's coming down. And it's because just like the sense of adventure and excitement is captured. I, I think about the line that Jack says when he's on the island with Elizabeth and he says that's what the pearl is, is, is freedom. And there's such a strong sense there in these characters and, and, and even will. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of rambling to just say that there's such like a, a sense of adventure here that that's really hard to find. And the way that that is captured in every single character that nobody feels like they're just there for nothing. Uh, I've been saying about, but just add one more thing. I played, uh, you know, I'm sure we're all familiar with the Lego games, you know, like Lego Star, Star Wars or something like that. There's a Lego Pirates of the Caribbean game where after all five films were released, they made a game for it. I I played it for hours. It's a blast, like all Lego games. Um, But like so many Lego games, there's like a bazillion characters that you can be. And and like so many other games, I was always like, oh yeah, I'm just going to be this character. I have no idea where they appear in any of the movies, but I'm going to be them. Where when I played the Pirates game, I was like, I know exactly where this character is from. It didn't matter how small the character was. I knew what film they were in and, and at least one or two things that they did uh, and it's just amazing how how everything is just so enjoyable.
0: Yeah, um, the Lego Pirates game is actually really fun. But I think you you know nailed it perfectly with the sense of freedom that this movie represents uh, for characters and even characters that at the time aren't particularly free that have to do things a certain way, like Elizabeth Swann's character. And recognizing that that's not the kind of life that she wants in meeting, um, you know, Will Turner and it's just everything that goes along with it. I think there's a pretty, like there's a good message there. And I know Rob like is a hundred percent right. And Harrison, you, you echoed that sentiment that, you know, everything that we know about pirates is not actually good. So the fact that we're talking about them in a good light, but, just the thought of living the life that you want to live and not conforming to something just because you were uh, born into that life or something. I think there's a, a you know a message that you can pull out of that th- with these movies. And like you said, there's just again, there's nothing wrong with being fun. I, I think too many times with movies or people that try to sometimes you know you know, rate these movies or things like that with Oscars and everything. It's just, I I don't need something to make me completely stop and think about the complexities of life. Uh, I just need to have a good time. It doesn't mean it needs to have the best dialogue. You know, I I just need to have fun. And if you tell me that these movies are not fun, okay. Uh, That's, that's not going to be me though. I just have a blast watching, This, you know, this movie in general, I absolutely am like giddy when I watch this movie. I have a stupid grin on my face. I have a stupid laugh that I continually have during the, you know, during my watch through. And that's, that's enough for me. So Matt, let me ask you a question. If you have the choice, because you talk
2: about you know the importance of fun in a movie compared to maybe all the accolades, if you lined up the last ten years worth of Academy Award winners for Best Picture and you put them all in a line, how many of those movies would you watch over Pirates of the Caribbean if you had the choice? You're just sitting down. It's a Friday night. You're home. You're going to pick a movie. Uh, I don't even remember what the last ten years worth of Best Pictures were. (laughs) What's the likelihood? Yeah, what's the likelihood that you'd actually pick any of them over watching Pirates
0: again for the 70th time? Right, yeah, no, it's not. It, it's slim to none, like, for sure. Yeah, and I don't even know
2: what they are. Like, it, it almost doesn't matter what they are because there's, there's not a lot of movies that I would sit down and be like, yeah, I'd rather watch that instead of Pirates on, on most nights. And it's
1: amazing if I can add on to this, like, how – I've talked about how I've watched these films so many times. My family had them on DVD. My brother and I watched them so many times and and it never gets old. When the music is playing and Jack Sparrow is standing on the top of his puny boat and like jumps down to it sinking and like tries (laughs) to bail water and it it, like floats up to the dock and he just steps off like that never gets old. That's funny every time. And, And it fits the characters so well that it, there, there's like a magic here that, you know, with some, even when you love something, you watch and it's like, oh, yeah, like I, I remember where this is like, oh, yeah, Jack Sparrow, he's the best, you know, and it, it, it's it like reinvigorates the.
2: Yeah, he reminds no. me a lot of Marlin from Finding Nemo, right, because and I, it occurred to me uh, the l- most recent time I watched it, both of them are characters that are on this crazy, impossible adventure who find themselves in predicament after predicament that are um, life threatening to them and their companions. And yet, every time they somehow magically escape it, um, and it's and they're both great adventure stories. It just I, I was seeing a lot of of that other Disney film in this. Uh, they do, both take place in the ocean too.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent accurate. So, Harrison, uh, I'll let you continue anything else you know we've talked about a lot about what works with this movie i think maybe one of the things that we haven't touched on is you know anything in depth is the supernatural element of it and i think the look of barbosa's you know crew when they're in the you know uh when they're shown by the moonlight and everything like that you know what else about this movie works for you that you don't think we've touched on um in depth like we have some of these other things
1: um, the writing of it, you, you kind of, when you were talking about Oscars, you know, you don't need something with the best dialogue and we can kind of pick this dialogue apart and how it doesn't work, but we can also just commemorate how good it is. Like it makes me think in pirate language after the movie. Like, like I just remember one line in particular. I don't know why I remember this one after the most recent watch when, uh, they're in the interceptor, I think is what it's called. And the black pearl is chasing them down. And Elizabeth suggests that they chuck everything out. And Mr. Gibbs, instead of just saying like, check everything out of the boat or however you would say that, it's like, anything that it can be lost, see that it's lost. You know, like, who talks like that? (laughs) it, It makes all the characters that much more ingrained in this world and this sense of adventure that like we're going on this fantastic journey in this crazy place. On top of that, the writing of the story is just like so tight and so smooth and natural the way that everything works out that I didn't really understand what was going on until like the third time I watched it. Uh, and now, you know, I could, I could like recite the whole story and how each event chronologically affects another and the way that it slowly unravels and how everything's connected in a really fantastic way without it kind of feeling like, like a Disney fairytale fairy tale where like the fairy godmother just happens to show up type of thing where it's just, you know, it makes everything really, uh, not, not, not as weighty because it's just like oh yeah the fairy godmother showed up where this interconnectedness of all the people involved makes it, it exciting like you know it almost makes it feel like a one in a million type thing uh while also just being a crazy adventure to go on because it just it has so many twists and turns that you wouldn't expect and, and how those character motivations lead up into a final conflict i, I it's just fantastic. The the writing of it, the, the Aztec gold and how that affects everything. Um, and like Jack Sparrow's perception of everything around it. And it really just is so well-written both the dialogue and the story. It doesn't surprise me. I looked it up on IMDb, the writers, they're also responsible for Shrek. Uh, so they're must just good at writing things that are kind of unexpected.
0: Yeah. I, I think one thing that I'll, I'll point out, uh, before Rob, you jump in is everybody is connected in this, but the thing that I really appreciate is nothing feels forcefully connected. Like, Oh, of course, Jack would have had history with this person. It all feels natural. It feels natural that Elizabeth met Will when he was a kid and she got one of, you know, the Aztec gold it felt natural that Jack was a part of this crew and Barbosa left him out to see like everything feels like these characters should be connected. And it's not just, well, we needed to get from, you know, point a to point B. So here's this MacGuffin as to why this happens. This feels like a very natural flowing story where everybody who's in it should be in it. Nobody to me feels wasted. It's very tight
2: writing. Um, there's, there's nothing wasted here. There's, there's no weird deus ex machina devices. Um, it's, it's a very tight story. Um, you know, touching back on the supernatural elements of it again, one of the things that is really smart about that choice is it gives Disney the opportunity for the bad guys to be taken out in fights and not necessarily have them die. You know, you don't have like you. You definitely have some some people that are clearly dead after the events of some of the explosions and the and the fights and the and the shooting and everything like that. Um, and this is kind of maybe a hard PG thirteen. Like y- you really want to think about whether or not you're going to let your kids watch this or not because there's parts that'll definitely scare them, uh, especially when you're first introduced to Barbosa's crew when they're on full moonlight mode. Um, But the the decision to do that allows, you know, you can get these guys beat up, you can get these guys blown up, you can get these guys shoved full of swords, and they're not actually dying. And it allows you to do some things and and still keep a PG-13 rating for a a world that is very, very R-rated. Um, other things that I think really work about this um, certainly some of the writing there's there's a lot of really great lines that are that are so fantastic Um, why is the rum gone I mean that's a line I find myself using frequently (laughs) in my life because I'm a big fan of of Captain Morgan myself That's, that's kind of my beverage of choice I find myself using that frequently and it just seems to fit very well I'll tell you one of the things that I love about this so much and I think that it is absolutely crucial for an adventure film to work is the action scenes. Uh the sword fights in particular throughout this series but definitely in this movie are really really well done. Um Barbosa's stunt double is a really badass sword fighter. Um there's there's so many good things they've done and they they do some smart things in this movie. They don't try to put the actors too close they pull the camera back far enough and just let the stunt doubles like do their thing and, and actually fight and and do well. Um, the scene in the blacksmith shop, you know, that's very clever. It's this movie shows us a lot of things in terms of action scenes that we've never seen before that are creative, that are fun, um, that, that give you something different. And, um, and they let the professionals do their job instead of trying to have your, your, your A-list actors, um, do too much and and not really give us anything really exciting.
0: Yeah, I I totally agree with uh w- with those statements. There's definitely really great action to this, so it helps uh, it helps a lot. So Harrison, anything that you want to add to that?
1: Uh yeah, I I agree the action is fantastic. Like like if you just think I thought about this while watching If you ask somebody, you know, just an average movie viewer, to name some iconic sword fights in films, probably The Princess Bride is going to be mentioned and at least one Pirates of the Caribbean movie. I guarantee it because we don't get much sword fighting uh, in, like, common movies that a lot of people see, if that makes sense, and and we don't get it this memorable. Uh, You know, even watching, I know almost, like, every single beat of that fight in the blacksmith shop because I've seen it so many times, but each time it, it's invigorating to watch it be performed so well. If I add some other notes here, of course we got to mention that the costuming and makeup is just fantastic. Like we talked about how, or Matt, I think was, you who mentioned who, how many people have cosplayed or dressed up for Halloween as Jack Sparrow. It seemed like when I was a young kid, everybody was a character from, from uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. And, and that comes down to the, the look of these characters is just so, perfect uh and one other thing is, is the cinematography of it again goes along perfectly with the scale of adventure that we talked about yeah it, it's so exciting to see the ship moving through the ocean uh with such gargantuanness. <laughs> if i make up yeah. a word it, it really matches the scale of adventure like yeah we're going on an adventure for freedom in this huge ship and it, it really just adds to it so well that i i appreciate that they let big ships be in the ocean and not just it be a set with green screen. Um, and if there is green screen, you can't always tell, you know, if if it is there, it's done really well to the point that it feels like they are actually in the ocean where I think they are actually sometimes, but yeah, the cinematography captures it really well. The look of the film altogether is fantastic.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think this is probably the part where, if you have anything to say about what doesn't work in this movie for you, this would be it before moving on to the next segment. I'm going to be hundred percent honest. I, I don't have anything. So I'm going to defer uh Rob. I'll ask you first and Harrison, I'll let you go last, but I just don't have any complaints with this movie. So I, I'd already kind of mentioned that I
2: don't love Orlando Bloom in, the, in this series overall. I, I, think he's, I think he's kind of flat a lot. Um, outside of that, the only thing that I have is there's a little bit of wonkiness with how that Aztec gold actually works, because everybody who touches it and takes a piece of it has this curse on them. And somehow Will Turner, as an eight-year-old kid, uh, doesn't, or however old he is, and then when Elizabeth takes it, she can possess the coin, but not necessarily have the curse. Because um, we see when Sparrow picks it up later, he grabs one and pockets it for himself. And then he carries the curse to make him immortal. Uh, so that's the only thing. Like, I, I kind of don't really, it's kind of convenient writing a little bit that that it certainly works at one time or another. Um, that's literally my only real complaint with the story or this film or anything about it.
0: All right. Uh, Harrison, that would leave you to close this uh, this segment out. Do you have anything that doesn't work? Uh, literally just like two split-second things that happen, and they both have to do with
1: the backside of the ship. The first time is when Will and Jack are commandeering a ship for the first time, and they're walking with the boat underwater, which is genius, even though that would never work. That's way too much force. <laughs> but it's cool <well, laughs> nonetheless. Uh and they get to the boat, and then they climb up the back side of it using, like, the little crab's nest that was stuck on Will's foot. Every time I was seeing that, like, how did you get the rope up there? Like, it shows the rope tied to a big ledge kind of halfway up the ship, and they climb up the rope. And so I'm like, how did the rope get there? And, and then the second thing is when Elizabeth goes down uh, when she's trying to go save Will in Il Mueta – she kind of makes the, the rope out of clothes or whatever and then climbs out. And then she gets on a little rowboat. Like, where the heck did that rowboat come from? Like, there was just one hanging on the back of the ship. <laughs> and th- But it is such a brief moment that, that like, she's in the rowboat. I'm like, oh, well, how, how did she get that? I'm like, who cares? She's going to Safe Will. Like, let's go. Get in the rowboat. <laughs> and so it, it's like a little split second where, like, my brain's like, well, the logic's not totally there. But I don't care because I'm having a great time.
0: All right. Well... That's going to close out from seat to screen and we're going to move on to from the lobby. Now, this is our favorite scene, our least favorite scene. I don't think, I mean, it's going to be really hard pressed, I think, to pick a least favorite scene. So guys, uh, who, who wants to name a favorite scene? Who wants to go first? Go ahead, Harrison.
1: This is so hard. <laughs> uh, if I have to pick one, I, I don't know why I love this scene so much because there there is so much to love about it. Um, I'm gonna there's two of them um, that I think just works so well. Well, I'll name three. that They're not really scenes. They're more like <laughs> moments that I just think are fantastic because it's so hard to pick one. Okay, so the first one is when they're on, when Jack and his crew that he makes up, are they're on the Interceptor trying to catch up to the Black Pearl and it's raining and, and Jack's like, let's keep going. And Mr. Gibbs is like, what's in your head, Jack, that's got you in such a, a, a good mood or something like that? And he says, we're catching up. And, and like the way he says it gets me excited for what's about to come next every time in a way that few lines do for me. And, and I... There's something about that scene that's really magical to me. The other one that I, that I quote frequently is when he's on the island with Elizabeth and she burns all the rum and he's walking away on the beach and she, he's like, oh, it must be so terrible last time here, Jack. It must be so-. Well, it bloody is now! <laughs> and freaks out <laughs> right before he sees the boat. So I have to mention that because I say that all the time. Uh, but the last one that, that is like an actual scene is when he, Jack comes back from the island the second time. And starts rummaging through like the crew and Il and walking up to Barbosa right before they're about to sacrifice Will, and and, and Barbosa's like, "It's not possible," and he says, "Not probable," and, and just like the entire scene that like <laughs> Jack Sparrow is back, and not only is he back, he's got a fantastic, fantastic plan, uh, and it's exciting that he's got a plan that he's going to get the Pearl back. But it's also exciting that he's no longer just interested in the Pearl, that he's also interested in helping his friends Will and Elizabeth and the arc of Jack Sparrow to actually care about people or at least show that he cares about people. And on top of like the legend of Jack Sparrow being someone who comes back from the island twice type of thing, (laughs) it's all just fantastic for the character of Jack Sparrow and just the film as a whole.
0: Yeah, I think those are really good points. I mean, for me, one of the, you know, the scenes and it's a moment is now going back watching this movie for this because knowing, you know, what we, you know, kind of appreciating it more like what we got with Jack Sparrow is boy, that first scene where that's what we played in the intro with the music is him coming in to port on the boat as it's sinking. And by the time it's done, he's just standing on the top of it. You know, watching it now, it's just like, yeah, I I didn't know then. Like, I liked this movie when it first came out. I watched it. I had a really good time with it. And I was like, oh, man, I, I cannot wait for the second one. I mean, I remember I was in New Jersey for an inventory with Blockbuster, for God's sakes, when Dead Man's Chest came out and was just like... Yeah, um, I'm going to see this before. Like, I'm going to see this before work, and yeah, you know, I, I didn't realize then like how cool Jack Sparrow would be. But looking at this movie back, it's just you see him for the first time, and it's like, oh, I should have known right from this scene that this guy was going to be awesome. So I, I love that scene, Harrison, like you mentioned when he first comes back. I absolutely love it, and, and then. Sounds terrible, but when he shoots Barbosa after Will has cut his hand and drops the gold back into the chest, just like Barbosa's reaction to I feel and he, you know, drops, I just like that scene because it's almost like that at that time is exactly what Barbosa wanted. He's been freed somewhat, and I. There, there's so many of them, but just to name three for the sake of not just talking about the entire movie again, uh, I'm going to name those three and I I just, I could not think of a least favorite scene because nothing, nothing is to the point where I feel like it doesn't have to be in this movie. I, I don't feel like any point I could cut something out and be like, okay, like the movie's better.
2: So I do actually have a least favorite scene. Um, it, it, it wouldn't be me if I didn't try to ruin something. this um, is true. this is these these are true statements. Mm-hmm. Um, it's brief, but when um, when Sparrow and Elizabeth get stuck on the island, they they're stranded there, uh, they they start hitting the rum, um, which, which look, I, I know a thing or two about. And and they have kind of almost a little bit of that awkward like oh where's this going? Um, it's a little it's a little cringy, a little creepy um, for my taste. It, but here's the thing: is that scene does set things up that we see in the second and, and third mm-hmm. films that you kind of almost needed this scene to do. But uh, I just it, it, it kind of that scene kind of weirds me out just just a little bit it's minor complaint nowhere near and it doesn't ruin my enjoyment of the movie it doesn't make me like this movie any less it's just maybe a little weird and a little creepy um favorite scene so hard to choose i talked about this the fight in the blacksmith's uh, uh shop earlier and i think that probably is my favorite scene because the the sword play is so good the action is so good and it's got one of my favorite lines from this movie when, uh, when Johnny Depp pulls the the gun on him and Turner looks at him and says, you cheated. And he says, pirate. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, I'm a pirate dummy. Like, what did you like, what you thought I was going to fight fair? Like, are, are you crazy? Are you stupid? Like, um, so I, I, I love that. And um, uh, I guess, you know, again, like I mentioned, the, the kind of that final, the, the climax um, when when they're in the cave and uh, and Barbosa and Sparrow are fighting back and forth, just it's so good. It's so well choreographed. The action is so well done. Uh, it's creative. It's it's unique. It's interesting. Um, the music just cranks up. They they put it the perfect volume, the perfect notes to hit. Um, I, I, I love all of the action scenes in this movie.
0: Perfect. Um, so. Closing out from the lobby, and before we get to rummage for the rotten, there's a segment that I do when it is a franchise called Franchise Appeal. And with just off the top of your heads, uh, I'll go first because I have mine. You guys can have a quick second to think about it. Since we're going to be doing all five, um, I thought with Franchise Appeal, we could say where we rank these movies at the start of this. We're going to watch them again to review them. So uh, I'm going to go. It is the first movie is my favorite. Dead Man's Chest is number two for me. Uh, Actually, after a rewatch before this, Dead Men Tell No Tales would be number three. At World's End would be number four. And the awful... Good Lord, I can't even remember the subtitle for it. Movie five or movie four Um, on Stranger Tides on Stranger Tides. There we go. uh, Would be my fifth ranking. So that is as of right now where I rank these movies. I I don't think there's any change for one and two. Maybe five and three could switch in terms of Dead Men Tell No Tales and at World's End. Um, So. Rob, I'll let you go next in this franchise appeal segment. Where's your off-the-cuff rankings? Um, without having to think about it hard at all, um, the
2: first Pirates movie is the best. Um, I'm not sure you'll find a lot of people that have a different choice, unless there's an actor that appears later in the series that you just absolutely love and 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 do everything that. Uh, that or watch everything that they do. Um, so to me, uh, just right off the cuff, having only recently watched *Curse of the Black Pearl* and *Dead Men Tell No Tales* within the last month. Um, Curse of the Black Pearl, the first one is one, is number one for me. Uh, Dead Men Tell No Tales was actually a lot better. I, I'd actually just watched it for the first time uh, when I was was at your house, Matt, uh, like you mentioned earlier. It's actually the first time I'd seen it and I'd, I'd kind of heard it wasn't good um, so I'd never really spent a, you know made the time to watch it, but I'm glad I did because I liked it a lot better uh, than kind of what I thought. And then for me, the second and third Pirates films, Dead Men's Chest and At World's End, they kind of go back and forth. I kind of I, I like the movies, and then I don't like the movies. You know, I, I think I had a lot of expectations going into them when I first saw them, based on how great the first one was, and, and maybe they didn't live up to that. Um, to use a segment from Harrison Show on the Basement Binge, uh, when I've rewatched them and allowed them just to to exist in their own right and not have expectations based on the first one, I, my opinion has improved. But I, I pretty much go one, five, three, two, four on Stranger Tides is not good.
0: Okay, Harrison,
1: that leaves you. Wow. Okay, this was really hard. One, because I was unprepared. Two, because I don't know. <laughs> uh, okay, so starting at the bottom, it's easy for me. Number five is on Stranger Tides. It's I actually had to look it up on IMDb to remember what exactly it was. Uh, not great. Dead Man tail No Tails is next at number four number three and number two are really hard for me to decide. So I'm going to skip those and come back to them in a second. Number one, without a doubt, as of right now, without a rewatch is at world's end. The third film, there is something about that film that I just adore. I I think it's so funny. I love the action more than any of the films. I think it captures like my desire to be a pirate more than anything else. Uh, And so there, I have a soft spot for it. Now I think that is going to go down rewatching it it's been a while since i've seen it but but i really do adore that film so number two number three what's left is dead man's chest and the black pearl or the curse of the black pearl i really really have a hard time deciding between the two of those i'm gonna say that the black pearl is number two and dead man's chest is number three uh just because i think that that's the way that it's actually gonna be uh it's i have a really really hard time deciding and, and there's things about both that I love. And and part of me wants to put the curse of the black pearl higher, but that's just because I just watched it. And so I'm kind of hesitant, like, oh, am I putting that higher just because I just watched it or because I genuinely like it more? But I think I I really do genuinely like this one more than Dead Man's Chest. So that, that was a long list. So for me, it's uh, at World's End's at number one, The Curse of the Black Pearl, Dead Man's Chest, Dead Man Tale No Tales, and then On Stranger's Tides.
0: Well, All right.
2: I didn't think anybody had uh, "Curse of the Black Pearl" not number one, and there we go. Harrison does. <laughs> there, there it is. Um, I, it, for the record, movie... he also likes "The Last Jedi,"
0: so take that oh, for what it's worth.
2: <laughs>
0: there it oh. is. There it is. But I, I, I think it'll be interesting to see what changes, um, if anything, with the list. Like I said, I don't. I, I can't imagine one changing for me, but maybe you know my second third and fourth rankings change uh so at at the end of every episode we can see where we are we'll put that in the show notes to see if our ranking changed at all um and for listeners you know we're gonna talk about a little bit more but write in with your rankings forum and If you are kind of maybe re-watching these as we're doing these episodes, let us know if it changed for you. Uh, We'd certainly love to hear what the listeners think of these movies and where they rank them personally. So uh, we are going to get into it, though, with Rummage for the Rotten. So I am once again, I'm going to flip the coin and Harrison, you're going to go first. Where is your ranking for this movie in terms oh. of reels? In terms of reels out of five.
1: This is... Uh, I was hesitant to say this before re-watching it. Like I kind of joked at the beginning, it really is that good. It is a five out of five for me. That There is not a single moment watching this where I'm not enjoying it. And there isn't a single time where someone said, hey, do you want to watch Pirates? That I wouldn't. Uh, on top of that, everything we talked about Earlier when we were talking about all the things that worked about the film, we pretty much named every single aspect of the film uh, right. <laughs> and how it worked for us. And, and that's true because all of the things that make up a film technically work so well to create emotionally, if you will, a fantastic adventure film, unlike really anything that's come since. Um, it's just a swashbuckling adventure, unlike anything else. And and that uniqueness is what makes it even more endearing so without a doubt, five out of five fantastic to watch one of the most rewatchable films of all time deserves it. I was hesitant, but I can confidently say it's a five out of five.
0: All right, Rob, I'm going to let you go last. Um, mine surprisingly is a, f- so it, with like half reels in there, I, I am giving this four point. If I had to be down to the miller, 4.85 reels. Um, I don't quite give it a five, but it's pretty darn close for me. So that would be where I stand. So, Rob, where does this stand for you? Who's rotten?
2: Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I thought that Harrison was probably going to be fairly high. I thought it was going to be pretty close. <laughs> I thought you were going to be the lowest. Um I've said that I adore this movie. I I certainly have uh, a reputation for disliking things and ruining things and (laughs) uh, ranking things lower sometimes than you guys do. But at the same time, um, I, I also... I'm pretty free to give out five reels when I absolutely adore a movie and and have this much fun with it every time I watch it. Um, I don't need a movie to be technically perfect. I don't need a movie to be flawless. um, Because let's be honest, there's a ton of things about this movie that don't really make a lot of sense. And I don't care. It's fun. Like when uh, Will Turner throws swords. Like, first of all, throwing swords doesn't work like that. Like, not at all. And at the end of the movie, when Sparrow's about to get hung and he throws the sword and he's able to stand on it, um, that's that's not really how physics works. But like, you don't care because they're playing the theme music, you know, and, and uh, Johnny Depp is going to start kind of like walking around funny, like he's half drunk with his hands in the air and and saying wacky
0: things. Um, uh, Matt, you're the rotten. I'm five out of five reels. <laughs> oh, my, and it's it's crazy. Basically, almost a perfect score for me makes me the rotten um which (laughs) which which just right which just goes to show how fun this movie actually is and again it's it is like the perfect storm so to speak that this movie was able to come together be as fun as it was at the time that it came out um you know, be one of the biggest movies on the planet. You know, by the time the second one came out, one of the biggest franchises on the planet—just uh, lightning in a bottle for when this hit. But a ton of fun, and yeah, I am—I uh, am the rotten with four point eight five. <laughs> who would—who would have thought? <laughs> it's crazy.
1: I, I wanted to add one more thing that I think is interesting as as we talk about. It, if it's okay, man. Yeah, of course. I was really curious because you mentioned something how this didn't, some of the films didn't have a great box office return. So I was like, I got to find out what did this original film have in its opening box office? So it came out in 2003. Uh, It was the 11th film, at least for the box office uh, opening, for like its weekend opening um, at 46 million. The, the highest films that year was a matrix three reloaded at 91 million and X-Men two at 85 million. And then the Lord of the Rings at the return of the King at 72 million. Right. So like, not a f- like it's, that's good. That's a good amount of box office. But even for the time being like that's, that's not much. In fact, one of the films that's in the one two three four five the, the number six film, uh, Hulk, the one from 2003, uh, beat out this film by almost double, like, it's almost at 70 million for a, a weekend opening. So like no one really like initially went to see this film, like no one was really expecting it. So if you go and look at it, right. So Hulk as an example, opened at about 70 million, almost as today. It's current domestic box office is 132 million and worldwide is 245 pirates of the Caribbean, which opened at 45 million now has a domestic of 305 million and a worldwide of $654 million. Like, Like, this is one of those films that, as people say, has legs. Like, yep. I feel like people went, you know, those those Disney fans that I described earlier are the ones who went to go see this and then told everyone else how great it was. And then people just kept seeing it because it is that good. Uh, And it really kind of, like you said, proves how this kind of is lightning in
2: a bottle. That was a yeah. crazy year, the, all those films you just uh, mentioned that released all that same year. like That's a murderer's row to have to try to open a film against. Holy cow. Oh my gosh, yeah. Look, look at this list. So we got both Matrix sequels, X-Men 2,
1: The Lord of the Rings, Finding Nemo, Hulk, Too Fast, Too Furious, uh, Bad Boys 2, a Terminator film, right? Like that's a lot of intense films uh, to, to compete against. I mean,
0: yeah, too fast, too furious, which we right. destroyed <laughs> this film at the box office. Yeah. Wow. I, I mean, this movie did have legs. This was very similar to like Batman Begins, where you know, Batman Begins only opened to like 40 million or something like very, very small um for a Batman movie when it first opened and ended its run at like two hundred and twenty-five million dollars domestic um and and hulk at that time that had like the biggest during that time frame and i think for like six seven years hulk had the biggest box office drop from week one to week two by like 77.8 percent um in what it made so yeah that movie just threw itself off of a cliff very quickly But yeah, Pirates, it was repeat viewing, repeat viewing. Oh, my God, go see this. Eh, I don't know. No, you have to go see it. And then that person was like, oh, my God, I put off seeing this movie. I went and saw it. You have to go see it. Like, I'll go with you. Like, do you want to go see Pirates? Like, I'll go with you. Um, So, yeah, this movie certainly had legs, um, as they say, at the box office. Oh, yeah. And uh, to, to prove even further what Rob and I have been uh, hypothesizing
1: that you're an Android. One, you don't have any notes for this <laughs> podcast, I assume. Second, I just looked it up. You were off by like five to ten million either direction with the box <laughs> office numbers you just said for Batman Begins.
2: That's ridiculous. <laughs> because that definitely was a number that came right out of the top. Right. Of head, yeah. Right? Like you know, um, 225 yeah,
1: 225 million, you know, 40 million. Like, yeah, because those are generic numbers.
2: <laughs> yeah I, you we just talked about terminator but i'm pretty sure matt is a cybernetic organism <laughs> i'm sent back from the future to
0: talk about movies <laughs> yeah. well i i just remember and i i talked about this in that uh batman begins i actually bought the paper for because they had like a 10 page article in this in the sunday no the friday paper before it released um about batman coming back to the big screen and how you know nolan took a chance because batman and robin had essentially killed the like the franchise like i literally bought a physical paper just so i could read about batman (laughs) wow (laughs) if anybody wants to know who my favorite superhero character is i think i just made it pretty obvious um (laughs) (laughs) so but um you know This has been a lot of fun. I have no doubt, even though maybe some of the other movies aren't as good, that these episodes will be a blast because there's a certain charm to all of them, except maybe four, maybe four will just be the one where we laugh at how much we rip on it. Um, (laughs) And and we'll go from there. Similar to what Rob and I did with X-Men origins Wolverine, where it was just, how do you mess something up so badly? But (laughs) Harrison, I, you know, Rob, you know, as well for the extended universe uh, one last time, plug the basement binge, anything that you got coming up. Uh, you do have quite a, a few episodes that you just kind of released, um, you know, talk about them and we'll have your, your show links in the notes, but take it away one more time with the basement binge. Wow.
1: Well, thank you. And I, I feel embarrassed that I didn't mention this at the beginning. So September actually of this year is a two year anniversary of the basement binge. So I have some very, very exciting uh, announcements coming, so to speak um, and episodes coming that I've been working on that are just delayed because I've been sick and very busy. Uh, But so look forward to those episodes coming additionally uh, reviews on Shang Chi reminiscence, black widow, some recent films, uh, Snake Eyes, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies that we did, that those those were such a blast to do, those two episodes. Uh, and then an episode on La La Land, which is probably the episode that I've taken the longest amount of time to write because it was really hard to express how that film has impacted me. Uh, so yeah, those, those are some things that you can d- go check out on Vision, the Fast and Furious movies, or if you're, we talked about superheroes. If you're into the MCU, two years ago, that's what started the Basement Binge. Uh, they're maybe not the most high-quality episodes. A lot's changed in two years. Uh, but they're there to listen to. So, yeah, I, I'm more than excited to be here for these Pirates episode. I, and I also just think it's fantastic to be recording with you guys. Um, so, uh, across the United States, so to speak. So, thanks for letting me be here. Thanks for letting me plug the Basement Binge. Because um, I, I appreciate it. So, yeah, go check out the Basement Binge wherever you can get your podcast.
0: Yeah, and, you know, in addition to all of those things, episodes that Harrison has mentioned. Uh, one episode that I specifically would like to plug is Howl's Moving Castle. If you you know haven't gone over to that show yet, um, check it out. It's fantastic. I've said it several times. It was the reason this show started in the first place. And if you've gone over to that show and you haven't listened to Howl's Moving Castle episode, I cannot recommend it enough. It made me watch the movie because of his review. Uh, I absolutely adore that movie. It's not until October, but I have tickets to go see it in theaters because I just, uh that movie's it, it's so good. It's so moving. Everything about it is gorgeous. I can't wait to see it on the big screen. So uh, if I'm going to plug one episode today, it's going to be that one. Check that out. Oh, thank you so much, Matt. That's so nice of you.
2: I'm going to plug Harrison's episode on why he liked the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles so much. I actually really enjoyed that. I I liked uh, kind of the the personal touch to it and behind the scenes. I I recommend it highly because I've got a long history with the the Turtles franchise that I absolutely adore. So uh, I would certainly uh, recommend listeners check that out and uh, subscribe to both shows while you're at it. Uh, If you don't already, there's a lot of great content always coming out. A deep library at this point you know one shows almost at two years Matt shows uh, over a year coming up on a year and a half I think Um, so there's a lot of great stuff to go through up and down the catalog there will be three of those uh, in Matt goes to the movies that have Eric and I on it as part of the extended podcast universe uh, here at Matt goes to the movies and uh, we we just finished the big Lebowski we did Goodfellas and Fight Club all movies that have meant a lot to us over a long period of time Uh, and while you're at it you know make sure you check out both shows on social media uh, review them on PodChaser and email Matt Goes to the Movies at mgttm podcast at gmail.com. It's just the initials for Matt Goes to the Movies podcast at gmail.com. And uh, definitely tell us your pirates uh, rankings. Where 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 do you have these? Do you have them like me, where Curse of the Black Pearl is number one, uh, or or do you have something you like better than that? Is On Stranger Tides among the worst movies of all time? Tell us. Uh, we'd love to hear it in email.
0: Yeah, um, Rob, great, uh, great plug there for the show. I appreciate it. Um, You know, for me personally, things that are coming out uh, between work with the holiday and just kind of everything else going on. I've been doing projects around my house and redoing floors and things like that. Um, I, I have been very laxadaisical on getting my Tom Cruise episodes out. I have them. I just need to upload them. Those are coming very soon, but also there is a, a movie that I am super attached to. Uh, I should say more a franchise, uh, the Halloween series, uh, Michael Myers and Halloween kills comes out October 15th, which I cannot wait for. Um, I will be doing a review for the original Halloween from 1978, and then the new Halloween that came out in 2018, since that's a direct sequel in this universe that they created, and then Halloween Kills is the second movie of this new uh, trilogy that they started, so I cannot wait for that. Uh, I'm going to be reviewing both of those movies in anticipation for Halloween kills. So that will be coming as well. And then every week we're going to be doing one of the pirates movies, which is going to be a lot of fun. So that's what we're doing on Matt goes to the movies. Uh, Look forward to a new uh, episode of the extended universe. Whenever that comes from Rob, I've certainly enjoyed those episodes. And again, uh, subscribe to the shows, you know, Get with us on email, social media, whatever you uh, use as a platform for communication. And we will see you next time on Macos Goes to the Movies. Thanks, listeners.